If you get emotionally triggered easily and you find yourself hurting people you love, head over to healedbeing.com and join the program that helps you create new healthy coping mechanisms so that you can improve your relationships and your life. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hey, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and give you the tools to show up as your authentic self. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. And I hope you get some good information from this show. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a listener that um, tunes in a lot, welcome. <laughs> welcome anyway, no matter who you are. So glad you're here. What's this all about? I talked about it in the intro. I really believe that it's important to um, not go into a state of denial. That was one of the very first things I thought about when creating this show, is that um, when you hear somebody say, just, you know, just be optimistic, think positive, it is great, great advice. It is a great suggestion. Just think positive. Don't think pessimistically. It is a great piece of advice. Do not think pessimistically. Think positively. Early on, for several years, I would talk about how when you are told to think positively, that if you are dealing with any type of negative or negativity inside, you're holding some anger or upset or sadness, and somebody tells you to think positively, what that can end up doing is causing you to swallow that negativity or repress it, suppress your thoughts, swallow your emotions, and become depressed. So somebody telling you to think positively might actually cause you to be depressed. I'm not saying it happens every time, but I'm saying it can. It can. I used to do it. I used to try to think positively and just try to see the bright side, the optimistic side. And when I did that, what I didn't do was deal with my repressed emotions or my uh, emotional triggers or my coping mechanisms. I didn't deal with some old traumas. I didn't deal with any of that stuff. I just put a layer of positivity on it and smiled my way through life. Man, was I depressed. I became so depressed. I remember it was just after my first long-term relationship ended. I had been an optimistic thinker, and I showed the world that there was nothing wrong. I was always in a good mood, even though I wasn't always in a good mood. But I would show them that I was in a good mood because I didn't want to appear vulnerable or weak or... I'm sure I had a million reasons. I just didn't want to show up in the world like that. And I wanted everyone to look at me and think, wow, that guy's got it together. And uh, after eight years of doing this show, you 
probably realize I didn't have it together. <laughs> if you've listened to multiple episodes, you probably know that I didn't have it together. You probably know that I try to tell you all my imperfections. I'm not looking for anyone to feel sorry for me. I'm not trying to play the victim card. I'm not doing any of that. I'm only doing that because I learned a long time ago that I would rather put all my dirty laundry out there to, uh, I guess, filter out anyone that doesn't want to be around me. (laughs) This is who I am. This is who I am, and this is what I've done to work on myself, and this is how I've healed, and this is what I'm continuing to do, to continue to heal from anything that pops up in my life, any fears, anxieties, uh, worries, and, and anger, and old traumas, and things like that. When that stuff pops up, I like to deal with it. In fact, one of the questions I ask myself is, wait a minute, what's going on here? I think that's a great question to ask yourself. Whenever something pops up, everything's going along fine, and then something happens. You feel a certain way. And that way, you may not like. You may feel anger. You may feel sadness. You may feel something. And when you do, I think it's great to stop yourself, get out of your busy mode, stop yourself and ask, wait a minute. You don't have to say what I say, but I say, wait a minute. What's going on here? And then I might ask, why am I suddenly feeling sad? Why am I angry? Why am I upset about this? You know, something might happen. If I know what it is, oh, well, I know so-and-so made me angry, then I might dig further and ask the question, well, why did that specific thing make me angry? And if you've been listening a while, you've heard me say this before, but never stop yourself with a comment like, well, that would make anyone angry. Never use that as an excuse to stop drilling down into what's causing a problem in the moment. You don't want to say, well, that would make anyone angry. So... I don't have to even consider why it makes me angry because that would make everyone angry or anyone angry. So I'm not going to even consider it. We can definitely go into denial there. That would that would put us into a denial state. Why would I have to address that? I don't have to address that. Somebody who cheats on their partner is going to make anyone angry, Paul. So why would I have to address it? I, I'm not going to address that because that is a given. We might do that to ourselves. That's a given. But isn't it true, Paul? No, it's not. I would say 99% of the time it's true. Yeah, somebody betraying you is going to make you angry. It's going to make you upset. But um, why is it making you specifically angry or upset or sad? You know, if it's not betrayal, it's something else. But why is that event upsetting you in any way? Specifically you, not just anyone, you. Well, it upsets me because I don't want them to betray me. And I thought we had something and it feels like my heart's being crushed. Okay, that's a very specific thing. It feels like my heart's being crushed. Well, and this is a tough question. This is where we drill down. How is it a bad thing that your heart's getting crushed? And again, we might 
push ourselves into denial if we interrupt our drill down process with a comment like, that would crush anyone's heart. And because we say that, we might stop drilling into why it's causing us specifically, you specifically, to be upset. I'm telling you, this is the magic pill that can help you get a grip and help you understand the reasons you might have emotional triggers, the reason that you might get upset, the reasons that you might carry around upset. An emotional trigger is when something happens and you have a knee-jerk emotional reaction to it. For example, um, when I was married, I was emotionally abusive. I did emotionally abusive behavior that I absolutely wish I didn't do. She didn't deserve it. She was kind and sweet and supportive of me. And I was kind and sweet and manipulative and controlling to her. It is something I honestly don't like uh, telling you. It's something I don't like sharing because I know that um, there are people in relationships with people who are like the person I used to be. And so they may hear me talk about that and think, oh, that guy sounds like a jerk. But I tell you this because I'm putting it all out there because I think it's important to understand where I come from on this issue because I used to hold on to anger. I mean, I, I was the best at it. I used to hold on to anger so well. If somebody made me angry, you would never know it. You'd think that I was Mr. Stoic. But I wasn't. I was Mr. Repress. I was Mr. Suppress my thought, repress my emotions, and build that depression in the background. That is my formula, if you've never heard it. That's my formula for depression. You suppress your thoughts. I'm thinking about something, but I don't want to express it. You know, I have a fear of expressing it, or for some other reason, I don't want to express it, so I'm going to suppress my thoughts. I'm going to repress my emotions, so I'm feeling an emotion, but I don't want to feel it. I don't want to uh, have those emotions, so I'm going to stuff them down. I'm going to repress those emotions. I'm not going to process them. I'm not going to explore them. I'm not going to drill down into them. I'm going to repress them. And doing so causes a chain of events at the deepest level inside you, at your emotional core. And that chain of events is all those negative emotions building up and all those suppressed thoughts building up and continuing to compound at a deep layer inside you at that emotional core. And that compounding ends up uh, sometimes being depression, often being depression, or some form of it. And if you've never been depressed... My experience of it is you have no connection to happiness and you also have no connection to sadness. That might be the um, most extreme form, or maybe not. Maybe that's not the most extreme form, but it was for me. The most extreme form is I had no connection to what used to bring me joy, what used to bring me joy didn't anymore, and what used to make me sad didn't anymore. It's weird. You're like in an emotional void. You're in this null space. And because you're not feeling any emotions, what uh, are you experiencing? It's almost like apathy. 
But even apathy has like some intention behind it. Like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care is actually a better feeling than no feeling. I would rather care than not. But if I didn't care and it was purposeful, then it wouldn't be so bad. I mean, depending on what we're talking about. But I hope you get what I'm saying is that it's nicer to be able to make the choice to care or not instead of feeling like you wish you could care or you wish you could have a choice to care. I've talked about depression really deeply only a couple times on this show. I bring it up every now and then. I talk about it. Um, I have a couple episodes dedicated to it. Uh, I think it's a very important topic, but I bring it up every now and then like this because, I mean, we go through stuff. And when we go through stuff and we have these emotional events that happen in our life and we stuff them down and we don't deal with them, they turn into something. If they're inside, they're not out. They're inside of us. If you still think about things that happened in your life and you have a bad feeling, you're upset, you're sad, and instead of processing that and working through it, some old traumas or whatever, and it's still in there, then it's still in there. And it can compound into a worse situation where it can turn into depression or anxiety can certainly turn into anxiety if you have a fear of gathering around others like a social anxiety because you might fear being judged that's something that is going on inside of you why do I have this fear of being judged well uh, maybe if somebody judges me I'll feel like I'm not worthy or important or attractive or whatever maybe they think I'm stupid well, this is one of those drill-down questions again. How is it bad that somebody thinks you're not attractive? How is it bad that somebody thinks you're stupid? I like that how is it bad question or how is it a problem question. And again, don't put the comment out there that says, well, anyone would feel bad because that automatically puts you into denial. And that's what I started uh, talking about at the very beginning of this segment, is that we can put ourselves into a state of denial by not allowing ourselves to have thoughts that are specific to us. Because as soon as we say anyone would feel that way, we take ourselves out of the equation. If I said, um, you know, I got angry because my girlfriend lied to me, I don't think she has, <laughs> but let's just say it happened. I, I got angry because my girlfriend lied to me. Some of you might ask, well, what did she say? What was the lie? And I might say, well, she said she didn't scratch my car. And uh, I found out later that she did. Well, she lied to me, and I'm angry about it. And then I realize I have this anger inside of me. So now I have a choice. What do I do with this anger? Of course, I'm going to confront her. You said that you didn't scratch my car, but then I found out that you did. The surveillance footage shows that you did it. Why would you lie about it? That really hurts me. It feels like a betrayal. It feels like you can't trust me enough to tell me the truth. Why? Why would you lie about it? And, you know, let's just say that I was still angry no matter what the resolution of that conversation was. I was still angry. So... 
now I'm in this relationship and I'm carrying around this anger, this lingering anger. And, you know, she said, I'll, I promise never to lie to you again. And uh, she's honest about it, and I believe her. And um, time goes on. But then I think about that moment, you know, five years ago, where she lied to me about that scratch, and I still have this anger. Now what? What do I do? There's this anger. If that's, if that's in there, then obviously I haven't processed it yet. And if I haven't processed that anger, and I'm carrying it around guess where it goes. It comes out in destructive ways, in passive-aggressive ways maybe, or in other ways that I haven't even thought of because I haven't addressed the anger, which means it might be transforming or mutating, I should say, into other things like uh, small arguments that I don't necessarily want to have with her, but we're having anyway. This is what happens is we have these arguments or these heated conversations with people we care about and sometimes it's about the most mundane or stupidest things, the tiniest things. That's the uh, toothpaste cap is off the toothpaste. Let's argue about it and have a breakup because of it. It's not about the toothpaste cap. It's not about the toilet seat up or down. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about what's lingering inside there and what has been in there for a number of months or years that we haven't addressed yet. That might be a conversation to have, like, I'm still angry about that damn scratch. Why would you lie? I might have to bring that up again. And then she's going to say, why are we talking about this? I thought we reached closure on this. I thought we talked about this. And I haven't lied to you since. If that kind of stuff is still inside and it keeps coming up, it keeps getting rehashed, you got to address it. you got to pull it out of you and really uh, drill into it, drill down into it so that it doesn't come out in regular conversations. It doesn't turn into destructive behavior that can destroy good relationships uh, because you could get past this if you figure out why it has such a hold on you. The anger about a scratch in my car, for example, it might have such a hold on me because I'm holding on to something about being lied to, for example. Or maybe I'm holding on to something about valuing my property when somebody else doesn't. Is that in there? That's why it's important to drill down into this stuff and find out at the deepest level why something bothers you so much. And that involves questioning yourself. I love questions. Okay, Paul, I'm going to sit with myself and ask myself these questions. Why does having a scratch in my car bother me so much? And I might say, well, it's not so much the scratch, it's that she lied about it. Okay, so maybe it's not about the property, but it's about the betrayal. I might consider it a betrayal. Well, how is her betraying you a problem? Why is that so bad? And then I would have to listen to myself and think about it and wonder how it's affecting me personally. I mean, it is a personal thing, but I'm not going to turn it into, well, anyone would be upset. I'm going to say, well, why am I upset? I'm upset because I thought we had a trusting relationship. I thought I could trust her. And for her to just hold on to that lie for the, all that time, 
and not tell me about it really uh, hurts me. It hurts. It hurts at a deep level. I feel like that all that trust I had in her was um, invalidated. It was not confirmed. It was put aside. The trust didn't matter because she was able to lie to me about that. Okay, so there's something deeper. There's a trust issue. And when I feel betrayed in some way, I said the word hurt. It hurt. Then I might go off of that. I might say, well, how did it hurt? Oh, it hurt my my chest. I mean, it hurt physically. It just it felt like I wasn't important enough to share a truth with. And then that would be a deep thing for me. And the next thing I'm going to do is ask myself an even deeper question, which is, has this ever happened to me before? Anything like this? And I'm not talking about scratching my car. I'm talking about, have I ever felt a, uh, a lack of importance in someone's life? Because this is the kind of stuff that you want to generalize a little bit. Like, okay, she lied to me about a scratch in my car, and that felt like she didn't value me enough to tell me the truth, and I didn't feel important enough for her to tell me the truth. And now I'm at this really deep layer of hurt, and so this hurt means something, and it's very deep, and I can't seem to figure out why it hurts so much. I can say, yeah, it was a betrayal, but why does betrayal hurt? You know, I'm going to drill into this stuff until I uh, can't get any words out of me. And when you reach that point where you really don't know how to answer it, like, I don't know why it hurts, it just hurts. You want to ask the question, have I felt anything else like this in my life, ever? And the earlier you can go back, the better. You know, when I was 10... And I had all those crayons out, and my mom came out, and she saw all that writing on the wall, and I just wanted her to be proud of me, and boy, she gave me a smack that I'll never forget. And it just it threw me off. I didn't expect that at all. I might have some pain in there. I might have some really deep hurt inside of me. Because the upset that we carry around, the sadness, the anger, anything that makes us feel bad, when we're carrying that around and events happen in our life and pulls that upset up from the bottom, from the well, it is all part of an origin of upset. It's all part of an origin, typically. It's all part of an origin of anger, pain, and sadness. So that's why I would visit the past as far as I could go and try to figure out when I felt this way before. I may not have felt betrayal before, but betrayal makes me feel hurt. And I can ask myself this question, when have I felt this way in the past, this kind of hurt? And I can certainly come up with times. And what's interesting about this, and I've only mentioned this once or twice on this show, I think, is that when you find an origin of upset or pain or or sadness or whatever it is, when you find an origin, like the very first time you felt it, there's something that happens between now and then. There's a connection that's made that wasn't there before. There's like neurons that meet 
for the first time through your neural pathways in your brain and they finally connect two dots that uh, create this circuit inside your brain. I'm speaking metaphorically mostly. <laughs> they create this circuit inside your brain and complete a, a puzzle. It's like the puzzle suddenly becomes um, complete or at least there's another piece of it that fits perfectly and you think to yourself, oh my god, this is the same pain. This is the same pain I had then. Not the same event, not the same people. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it's the same pain or at least very similar. This is very similar pain. And what happens is because, again, metaphorically, these neurons meet and create this circuit, sometimes the pain on both ends is canceled out. The pain or upset or sadness or anger from the past is canceled out because you made this connection in the present. It's pretty wild when this happens, and I hope if you're one to drill into what the upsets are in your life, I hope you're able to make connections like that. Because when you suddenly make a connection like that and neutralize the upset, your life changes, or at least the events that uh, cause the upset in, in the past and in the present, they change, the, the meaning changes. And when the meaning changes, you feel better because there's no more lingering negative emotions. You're not carrying it with you anymore. And I'm not saying this is the only way to do it. I'm just saying that when I do this, when I make that connection to something in the past uh, with something that I'm carrying around today, it can neutralize the feeling that I had and uh, it frees up some space in your mind and body. So what was repressed or suppressed suddenly becomes uh, free. I don't want to say expressed. It's not always expressed, but just thinking through this process is a form of expression. You are bringing it up for processing. I'm going to bring up this upset for processing so that I can get past it. That can be very helpful. Very helpful. If you have any type of lingering negative emotions, it, it can be nice to get past them. You know, this may or may not work for heavy trauma. If you've had any type of abuse in your past, it may not work for that. It, it may not be a good idea to handle this on your own. You might have to talk to somebody. But... You know, there's a lot of stuff that we carry around. A lot of, I don't want to say minor stuff. How about um, minutia? <laughs> there's a lot of minutia we carry around. I'm angry about this. I'm sad about this. I'm angry about that. And we have all these little negative things that we carry around with us. And it would be nice not to carry that minutia around. It would be nice to get rid of the lingering minutia, lingering negative emotions. And when you do, you feel better. You feel lighter. You feel freer. And that's what happens when you heal from this stuff. Even one thing, you heal from one thing or at least feel better about one thing, the freedom that you feel or the lightness that you feel, it contributes to the path of healing. If you do this over and over again, there is a path that continues to expand in front of you. And that path 
gets bigger and brighter and easier to to follow, to walk, because you've taken care of one small thing, and when that one small thing is gone, and uh, events that used to trigger you don't trigger you anymore, then you have more freedom in your mind, in your emotional state, in your psychological state. You have more uh, ability to be able to process the next thing. Now, the next thing might be a lot harder, might be a lot bigger, might be more upset as you do these little things and you keep freeing up the space inside of you, uh, your life improves. I'm simplifying this. I'm not saying that it's easy. I don't want you to feel bad if you can't do this. I just want you to give yourself the choice to do it. I want you to give yourself the opportunity to explore and don't go into denial. Don't just think positively and cover or paint over the old paint. The old paint's going to peel. You paint over with new paint, that paint's going to peel too. You, you might have to sand it off. You might have to get down to the wood. And doing that does involve drilling down a bit and discovering why something really makes you upset and why something really makes you angry and I know there's a lot of obvious answers why something makes someone upset uh, because it would make anyone upset you already know how I feel about that but this is what we do is that we realize that that would make anyone upset so I'm not going to drill into that but let's do it anyway let's ask what I like to call stupid questions that lead to healing let's do it I'm going to ask myself the stupidest questions why are you sad that your dad died? That's a stupid question. That's a stupid question. I know it is. But if I want to get over the sadness because I haven't been able to for 10 years and um, I'm not moving forward in life, which I think is the key. If you're not moving forward in life, I mean, it's okay to be sad about loss. It's okay to be sad. That's, that's what we do. We, we grieve loss. But if it's preventing me from moving forward in life and... I can't get out of bed because I'm continuing to be sad. I might have to address this finally. This is when I need to drill down into it. So, Paul, why are you still sad about your dad's death? Oh, my God. i got to answer this question. That doesn't even register. That's a dumb question. Yes. And I want you to answer it. All right. I'll, I'll explore it. That's what, that's what I need to do. I need to explore this. And it doesn't mean you're going to have a different answer. You might have the same answer as you've had before. I miss him. I love him. And he was so much to me. And I still have things to say to him and share with him. And there might be a lot of stuff in there. I had to deal with some sadness regarding my father's passing a few years ago. There was some unfinished business that I had to deal with. And so I had to explore it. And um, I talk about this every now and then, too, is that when there's unfinished business, sometimes I just picture the person that I need to talk to in front of me, and I talk to them. And sometimes I'll have a long conversation. Sometimes it'll be short. Sometimes I'll say things that I've been wanting to say. Sometimes I'll be angry. Sometimes I'll be really angry. <laughs> and I'll say things that I want to say. Sometimes I'll become physical. I'll hit someone that I'm angry at. And I'll yell at them. And then I'll have the thought of, well, uh, they don't deserve to be yelled at. Well, maybe I need to get it out anyway. Never stop yourself from getting something out when you're trying to process. That's another thing. 
You don't want to stop yourself from uh, having thoughts that you believe that you shouldn't have. I'm not saying that you should go say that thing that you've always wanted to say to that person. I'm just talking about in your mind. You picture somebody in front of you and you say, you know, I've been wanting to say this, but uh, I, I, I shouldn't say this, but I, I want to say this. Don't stop yourself. You know, do it in your mind. You know, I'm still angry at you for this, and I can't believe that you allowed that to happen. I hear that a lot. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are upset at the abusive person that abused them when they were a child, for example, but they're more upset at the person who didn't protect them from the abuse. I've heard that so often. It's, it's sad. I mean, the whole situation is sad. Nobody should have to go through abuse. But if you've been abused when you were younger, or any time, any time you go through abuse, sometimes you have um, unresolved emotions. And those unresolved emotions, most often they have to do with the abusive person, but quite often they have to do with another person as well. I've heard over and over again, you know, I'm, I'm really... Uh, trying to heal from you know so-and-so that abused me. Um, and I know I shouldn't be angry at mom, for example. I know I shouldn't be angry at her because she couldn't help it. She couldn't stop it. She couldn't help it. And she didn't know any better. And so we make these you know wonderful excuses for the people that we do care about and we believe really did try or maybe couldn't try because they didn't have the resources back then. And... Um, we just want to make sure that stuff like that isn't still in there too because that will also build up inside of us. We will carry that around as a lingering negative emotion. The anger or the upset that we might have towards somebody that didn't do enough because we might think, well, they couldn't do enough. I can't blame that person. Yes, yes you can. You can blame that person. And then try it on. Again, this is in your mind. You try it on. You know what? I blame you for this. I blame you for not doing what I needed you to do. I blame you for not protecting me. I blame you for not standing up for me. I am mad at you. And then feel that inside your body. Is it a release? Is it something that uh, makes you feel better? Is it something that makes you feel worse? Is it something that gives you any sense of relief at all? Because if it does, maybe that was enough to move on from it. Maybe that was enough. And if it was, you might be able to just move on from it and feel better about yourself. Maybe it's exactly what you needed because you resisted feeling it for so long. That is a big one for a lot of people. I'm resisting feeling this way about this person because that person didn't deserve it or doesn't deserve uh, the thoughts that I have about them. So I'm resisting feeling that way. So I'm going to hold on to my resistance, which is going to chip away at me over months and years as I hold on to my resistance of feeling or thinking those things because I believe I am a compassionate, caring, kind person and I shouldn't say those things about someone else. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. Because if it's in there, it might have to get out. Imagine having hatred for someone for so long, but resisting feeling it, resisting allowing yourself to feel it because you don't want to be the person that hates. 
I speak from experience there. I had hatred for my stepfather for so long because I didn't want to express that I was the person that could hate someone because I was the person that everyone could look at and say, nothing's wrong with this guy. He's got it all together. He's in complete control of his life. He seems to have his stuff together, so I can't imagine him having any hatred in his heart. I did. That hatred uh, was one of the major components of my depression. I didn't feel hatred during my depression, but holding on to it and resisting the idea that I could hate someone else was what led, or at least one of the components that led to my depression. So don't deny what's in there. Don't be in a state of denial because it can prevent you from healing. Denial can prevent you from healing. And I don't want you to be in that state. And I know some of this stuff, some of the stuff that happened to you maybe, uh, is tough to deal with. It's tough to work through. This is why you might need to talk to somebody. Or start with something small. Start with something that upsets you a little bit. Like, that guy didn't even hold the door open for me. I had uh, my hands full, and I'm right behind him, and he walks in and shuts the door, and here I am trying to pull the door open with my foot. (laughs) Thanks a lot. I'm angry about that. Then you hold on to that anger all day, and you think, I'm still angry about this. Then you go home at night, and you're sleeping, and it's like, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. I should have just thrown my stuff down and opened the door and said, thanks a lot. I should have said all this stuff. Why am I so angry about this? Why am I holding on to this? What is so bad about somebody not considering my feelings or my needs? What is so bad about somebody disrespecting me? All this stuff's going to come out. And then, how is that a problem? When did I experience this a long time ago? What's the earliest memory I have of this feeling? That's when you're drilling down and drilling down and maybe you're going to break it apart so it no longer has a hold on you. Some pretty deep stuff there. Hope this helps. I'll be right back after this and uh, I'll read a message to you and we'll see what we can do with it. Well, you'd think with all the insights and opinions that I have on this show that uh, I might know how to take care of myself in every way. (laughs) I have a problem, though. I'm just not that conscientious about my physical health. I mean, I take care of myself, but just like last night, I had macaroni and cheese and kielbasa. (laughs) It was delicious, but no vegetables. Uh, Fortunately, I love salads, but I simply don't make them enough. So that's why I'm so glad I found Athletic Greens. They have a product that I use every single day called AG1. And one scoop of AG1 contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right, which is what I do. I take a scoop of powder and mix it with water every morning. And um, aside from better gut health, which I really do like to maintain, I didn't expect one of the benefits, I was telling my girlfriend this, I I didn't expect to get a better night's sleep. This was actually 
off my radar. I did not expect to be able to sleep deeper and just feel great every day. I used to get a sleepiness between 2 and 4 p.m. And um, I, I used to take naps when I would get so tired. And I thought, there's something wrong with me or I don't know what it is. Maybe I should live in another country where they take naps in the afternoon. <laughs> so when I started taking AG1, I found that I was able to sleep deeper. And when I got up, I didn't feel like laying in bed for another hour, which I used to do. I'm actually ready just to get on with my day, and I love it. I've been on it for about three weeks straight now, and I felt just so good. I actually look forward to my morning with AG1, and I love that I don't have to buy everything I need for my health separately. Athletic Greens gives me exactly what I need. So maybe it's a good time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. Again, you don't need a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash brain that's athleticgreens.com forward slash brain and take ownership of your health pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance today welcome back like i said i'm going to read you a message in this segment and see if we can help this person they are actually writing about somebody in their life that had depression and used their depression as, I don't know if they use these words, uh, uh, an excuse to do bad behavior. So that's an interesting question. I'm going to read this message now. It says, hey, Paul, your love and abuse podcast is really great in helping me through a breakup. They got me thinking, though, what advice or insight would you give someone if their partner is using their own depression as a tool to control a relationship or manipulate the other person. I'm no longer in the relationship, but I discovered that my partner cheated after we broke up. One of the reasons she gave was because she was depressed. In fact, I look back and I can see that her depression caused a lot of problems. Having had time to process things, in hindsight I can see that the gaslighting and control was more evident than ever. It would be great to get your thoughts on this. Can a person unintentionally become a manipulator? And even still, is that fair on the other person? All right. Thank you. Sorry you're going through this and sorry about your discovery and you had to go through the controlling and manipulation. You mentioned my other podcast, Love and Abuse. That is for difficult relationships, typically when there's emotional abuse, manipulation, and control over at loveandabuse.com. So check that out if that's something that you need. Um, thank you for your message, and I'm so glad that that show has helped you. You asked the question, what advice or insight would you give someone if their partner is using their own depression as a tool to control a relationship or manipulate the other person? Here's where I go with that. I say that you need to look at the behavior that is acceptable or not in your life and choose to do something about it or say something about it. Regardless of their 
state of mind, condition, um, whatever excuses or even logical reasons that they have, I believe that you need to look at your life and what you will and won't accept in your life and make a decision from that point. So if she said to you, well, I cheated on you because I was depressed. That, you know, um, that's a painful thing. We were just talking about that. Betrayal is so painful, you know, to most people. Like I said before, everyone would be upset about that. Maybe, maybe not, but I think most people would. I think most people would absolutely feel upset about that. But now you have somebody that says, but I was so depressed and I was, you know, ill or I had problems or we were fighting all the time. All of those could be very valid. And none of them equate to uh, what I like to refer to as breaking the relationship contract. I believe every relationship that we get into has a set of guidelines or boundaries. And when you get into a relationship, you agree to those boundaries, even the unwritten ones. Typically, when you have a romantic relationship, um, there might be an unwritten rule because you don't really think you have to talk about it where you say, okay, as long as there's no cheating. You probably don't say that in most uh, relationships when you get into them. And a typical relationship is going to have a lot of boundaries and hopefully common enough that people know that you're not supposed to do certain things. I'm sure one of the unwritten boundaries could be don't uh, spill spaghetti in bed. (laughs) It's a simple thing that you shouldn't have to discuss, but it should also be understood that, I mean, there could be an accident, of course, but let's just say that somebody purposely did it. I ruined your new sheets with the spaghetti sauce, and uh, that really made the other person angry. That's kind of an unwritten rule. You shouldn't do that. That's not very nice. And so with betrayal, you'd think that unwritten rule wouldn't need to be discussed. Like, If you get depressed and you feel like cheating on me, it's okay because you're depressed. You shouldn't have to have that rule. So these unwritten rules in the contract, what I like to call a relationship contract, uh, shouldn't have to be discussed and should be obvious. Now, that doesn't mean somebody's not going to try to get away with it. And I don't know this person's story. There could be real depression. I heard from somebody um, who wrote to me like, two years ago and said, you know, I was being abused daily by a narcissistic abuser and I was just completely unhappy in my relationship. Life was terrible and I cheated. I cheated on this person. And I said, I'm not here to judge. You know, everyone makes a decision for their own reasons. And if that's what you feel like you needed to do and it made you happier and you found some comfort from another person, that was your choice. My only take, especially with cheating, is that it's a conscious choice. Cheating is always a conscious choice. Even if there's uh, an opportunity that you didn't expect to be in. I remember I was in a hotel room once with a, a girl that I worked with, and I was married at the time, and I was getting a little uncomfortable because... I suddenly had these feelings that I shouldn't have for another person while I was married with anyone, whether I was married or in any relationship. But I was having these feelings, and I thought, this is bad. 
this is really bad and I don't want to put myself in a situation like this and I immediately left and she's you know she was a friend and we were friends and I said I have to go she said what she asked me where are you going I said I I have to go it was great to see you I, I can't stay and that was it I just took off and she thought I was crazy or I don't know but I never talked to her again because I didn't want to be in that situation I yes I was probably immature like what you can't just have a conversation with a friend I felt guilty and I didn't want to have a temptation come over me like that because just for so many reasons it was inappropriate and I I felt like it was betraying without even doing anything so I got out of that situation and that was also a conscious choice because I think in almost every case betrayal is a conscious choice even if somebody's depressed it's still a conscious choice and it is a violation of the relationship contract and because of that to me it doesn't necessarily matter what the excuse is the only thing that matters to me is what was violated and how it affects me I mean a lot of things matter to me of course in that situation but when it comes down to it with this person's asking is uh, is it okay if somebody says they're depressed and they betray you or they violate some relationship boundary no it's not okay if it's not okay with you for me if my girlfriend was having a lot of issues and we couldn't find a solution and she couldn't get out of the depression and then she ended up in the arms of someone else I would be very angry and I would say you know what we have a lot of issues and now you're introducing more issues and she might say but I'm so depressed and I don't know what to do and that person really got me through a hard time and yeah but it affects me you're affecting me now and I don't want that in a relationship so we would have a serious discussion and it might even lead to a breakup because if she can't stay within the relationship contract then it's not going to work for me so that's where I go with that if somebody is using an excuse like um, well we fight all the time we fight all the time anyway so I I just wanted to feel better yeah you can do that and it will violate the relationship contract if the other person didn't want that to happen because there are some relationships that are more open or are willing to accept certain things that aren't in a common or normal relationship contract but for the most part if it hasn't been discussed that you're going to have an open relationship then you're violating the relationship contract now what that means the other person who got uh, cheated on in this case the person who wrote to me that person now has the option of getting out of the relationship uh, almost free and clear I'm really pushing the limit there because that may not be 100% true but once one person violates the relationship contract the other person doesn't have to uh, continue with the relationship and I'm kind of emphasizing the, the relationship contract because I just had someone reach out to me and ask about um, I forget what the subject was but oh yeah they felt guilty about leaving uh, the, the emotionally abusive person in their life and that person that she was with had violated a serious relationship contract and I said you don't have to feel guilty because once somebody violates the relationship contract 
that gives you a pass to leave because they did the deed. They broke the rules. And once they break the rules, you don't have to feel guilty about leaving that person because they broke the rules. Doesn't mean you can't talk about it and figure out where it goes next. I mean, in this case, or her case, the person was emotionally abusive. And in this case, too, this person's emotionally abusive. There was gaslighting. There was controlling behavior. And so he looks, in hindsight, he can see that all of that existed. And um, this is another case. Like, if there's emotionally abusive behavior and control and manipulation, there are people that do those behaviors and think they can get away with those behaviors by using excuses like, I have this condition or I have this problem or we had this fight so I thought it was the only way to get through it or you pushed me to it. They will make up anything just to get away with it. There are people like that. I'm not saying everyone does that, but the first thing I want to say when somebody says, I was depressed so I cheated, is that's an excuse. And at the same time, depression can be very difficult and it can change the way you think and process things. And I mean, I understand it and I empathize with it. And also, once you break the relationship contract, the other person now is in a place where they have to consider what they want to do for themselves. And that's where I'm guiding this person is once a major boundary of the relationship has been broken, then uh, you have to make a decision for yourself. This really comes down to you making the decision for yourself. And if they want to say that they were depressed or they were upset and they did this thing that violated the relationship, there are consequences to that. And you might have to leave that relationship because of their behavior. Because otherwise, they get away with it. And it's up to you if you want them to get away with it or not. It's totally up to you. So I'm not going to help you decide what's best because only you will know what's best for you. In my life, personally, if my girlfriend did that, there would be a major problem. But at the same time, there was already a major problem. And we should probably address that problem before it turns into a bigger problem. And if I were to relate this to the last segment, I would look at it as what is the problem in this relationship that uh, hasn't been resolved yet? Let's drill into that. Because we got to resolve this. Because this is what happens, right? We have a problem that shows up in a relationship. It doesn't get resolved. The relationship continues. There is an emotional distancing. And there are maybe fighting or ignoring or neglecting. There are other things that happen in the relationship that aren't healthy for a relationship and and the relationship continues to suffer. When that happens, that's when relationship boundaries can be broken. That's when there can be betrayals. That's when there can be someone uh, not sharing everything with the other person, the, the lack of transparency. And if you are continuing down that path where you have lingering relationship issues, you will very likely see relationship boundaries broken. Not always. I mean, some people are very, very loyal and you can still have relationship problems. But you're more likely to have the relationship boundaries broken if you allow relationship problems to continue. And I know it. it's hard to resolve all relationship problems, but 
This is why you drill into these problems and figure out if you can work with them or make compromises or even sacrifices for the greater good of the relationship. And again, I'm not saying you should do any of these things because sometimes relationships just don't work out. Um, in this person's case, there was control and there was manipulation and he didn't see it until after the breakup. He didn't even know about the, the betrayal until after the breakup. But now he knows enough to know what to look for just in case this ever happens again, or he gets into a relationship again and these red flags that he didn't notice before, if he notices them again, he can be conscientious of them and now bring them up. Hey, you know, we haven't talked in a while. What's going on? This is like I was saying in a, a recent episode. It might have been love and abuse, but um, I was saying sometimes we just have to put everything on the table. Sometimes we just have to ask, what's going on? You know, you've, you've been like this for a while, or we've been like this for a while. What's going on with us? Let's figure this out. You want the facts. That's what I said. That was a love and abuse episode, actually. Just get the facts. What are the facts? What's going on here? It's hard when you don't have the facts. Well, nothing's wrong. That's what we hear sometimes. Nothing's wrong. There's nothing wrong. I'm okay. Really? You haven't talked to me in weeks. We don't kiss. We don't do anything together. Nothing? Nothing's wrong at all? This is the kind of relationship that we're supposed to have? I don't think I want it. I don't want that kind of relationship. I want to have honest communication. So let's just put it all on the table. Let's just be wide open about everything going on in our relationship. I wonder if there are couples listening right now thinking, oh, uh, <laughs> we have to do that. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's figure this out. Put it on the table. What haven't you told me, honey? What haven't you said? What do you want to say to me? You know, one of the hardest conversations I had to have was at the end of my first uh, and longest relationship. It was after like 13 years, the one question I never wanted to ask, and I should have, was, are you still in love with me? I didn't want to ask that question, so what did I do? I stayed in denial. I just thought, well, we're still together, so she must still want to be in the relationship. She must still be in love with me, and that just means uh, there's something else going on. I'll just never visit that, because if I know about it, then I'll be devastated. So I never asked, and for like two years, I withheld talking about what was going on. I mean, almost all the intimacy stopped. It was gone. And I was just so afraid to have the conversation. It was stupid on my part, but I didn't have the resources back then. I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't know that I was simply delaying pain and staying in pain by continuing to delay what I needed to know about what was happening in the relationship. And sometimes you have to pull teeth. <laughs> sometimes you have to pull teeth to get someone to express to you. Because I remember when I asked this girl that I was with for a long time, what's wrong? She would say, nothing. So I never got an answer. If you ever get an answer of nothing, don't be afraid to dig a little. And if you get a really upset reply, like, stop asking me. <laughs> Something's up. 
something's wrong or something needs to be talked about. Now, this doesn't mean that maybe they're processing. They could be. They could be processing something, and they're not ready to talk about it. And maybe that's your next question. Are you ready to talk about it now? If they say, well, I'm, I'm, there's nothing to talk about, I would probably respond, well, it seems like there is because you're pretty upset. And then, of course, I could take this in many directions. I wouldn't be so upset if you stopped asking me all the time. <laughs> they might take it in that direction. But, you know, you want to find out. You know, one of the questions I had for my girlfriend back then was, um, every day you do these things, and every day I feel like uh, we're not connecting. So this is uh, different than it used to be. This is not the intimacy and the connection that we used to have. I didn't use these exact words, but this is what I would say today. I don't feel connected to you anymore. And then I would ask uh, today, do you feel connected to me? Do you feel that wonderful, warm connection that we used to have? I'm going to dive in. I'm going to dig. I'm going to help the person put it on the table if they're not willing to do it. That's where I go with that. And uh, We could talk about that for a whole other hour, but I'm going to leave it there. I think I was able to answer that person's question. Thank you so much for writing. And um, to answer your last question, you said, is that fair on the other person? Well, I don't know if I would call it fair, but I would call it um, it's unfair for you to not follow up on your own suspicions. I would say that. And that almost sounds like an excuse. <laughs> like I'm not going to answer that because I think you need to take care of yourself. In other words, if a relationship boundary is violated, then it would be unfair to you for you not to bring up the fact that the relationship contract was violated and you won't tolerate it. Be fair to yourself. So that's what I say to that. You need to be fair to yourself by bringing up the hard stuff, by talking about it, by not being in denial, by talking about things that maybe you don't want to talk about because you might find something out that you don't want to hear. But don't delay it. Even if it's painful, don't delay the pain um, unless you really have to. I'm not going to say 100% that you should always bring it up as soon as possible. I mean, you might be in a situation where you do have to delay it for one reason or another. You're waiting for something to happen first. But don't torture yourself. Definitely be fair to yourself and learn the truth. If you see the flags, you got to learn the truth. There were so many flags in my first relationship and I just refused to look at them or talk about them because I didn't know any better. It was like my first real long-term relationship. So I didn't know. So I'm hoping that what I share with you will help you understand that it's not good to keep things lingering. Lingering can turn into a form of denial because you know they're in there. You feel something is going on, but if you're not addressing them, you can have the same results as if you were denying them. And that's a challenge, of course. You don't want to go through that. Like I said, lots of directions I can take that, but I'm going to leave it there. It was so great to connect with you today. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate you. We'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our sponsor today, Athletic Greens. Get yourself a scoop of AG1 every day over at athleticgreens.com forward slash brain. And I want to thank our patrons this week. The patrons of the week are Angela, Angel, Michelle, John, Emily, Wanda, Jillian, Janet, Chris, and Andre. I think I pronounce it that way. These are the financial backers of the show. They keep the lights on and the show going. They are people that I appreciate. They join the patron program and they show their support every month. I read different names every week and I'm so glad, so grateful for each and every one of you. Thank you, patrons. I appreciate you. And if you find value in this show, visit moretob.com. That's where you can join the patron program and get some extra goodies I have over there or give a one-time donation and walk away. (laughs) So thank you so much for supporting the show. And I mentioned it before, if you want a podcast on how to deal with difficult relationships, visit loveandabuse.com. And if you believe you're the difficult one or you've been told you're emotionally abusive, head over to healedbeing.com. And I have a program over there that will help transform that about you so you can start healing inside of you so that you don't have to hurt other people. When we hurt people we love, that obviously does affect relationships and sometimes destroys them healedbeing.com and thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain now I want to read you an email that somebody sent me that uh, I had read their email on the air before and this person wrote back and said dear Paul if I may (laughs) yes you may call me Paul you used my email for episode 435 of the overwhelmed brain Uh, what was 435 let me read that 435 was how you can sabotage your own happiness waiting for others to change. Yes, okay, so I read her message on that on that episode if you're interested. She said, the day before you aired it, I decided to leave my husband. What pushed me over the edge were two things. My children and I started a Christmas tradition where, when they were small, we would write a note to ourselves and put it in the Christmas jar. The note would be about what we'd wish for ourselves to happen by next Christmas. Every Christmas Eve, we would take out the note and read it out loud and put a new note in for next year. My husband never participated in this, but last year I wrote a note to myself. On the Friday before you discussed my email, I had an urge to read that note. I didn't remember anything of what I wrote. The note read, Next Christmas, I want to live in a place where I feel safe and happy. When I read that note, I felt disappointed with myself. I let another year go by choosing a life in which I felt neither safe nor happy. The second thing that happened were more heartless acts that showed my husband's lack of empathy. But they weren't directed toward me. For that, I always made excuses. They were directed toward other people. For some reason, this pushed me away more than when I was at the receiving end. I told my daughter about your show, and she said she wanted to listen to it. As we were listening, she said, Mom, that sounds like it's made for you. And then you started reading my email. This was at a time I didn't know how to stop crying, and self-doubt started to creep up. I thought maybe I was making a mistake. And your voice said, It will not change. My daughter said, Listen to him. (laughs) We've been telling you. I went from self-doubt and crying to feeling empowered and positive. There's still a lot of pain, especially for him. He says he is heartbroken, but I know this is the right thing to do. 
I feel like I'm getting off an addiction or something. I'm not a religious person, but the timing of your show at that very moment that I needed to hear exactly what you were saying, I just don't know how to thank you. I don't know if you will read this before the holidays or if you'll read this ever, but I do wish that you could know that you made a big difference in somebody's life. I need to hear those words to shed my doubts and invest my energy into moving forward instead of wearing myself out about wondering which path to choose. With my deepest gratitude for your kindness and care. And then she signed it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, I wanted to read that because I wanted to express my, first of all, my appreciation for your words. I I don't know what to say. I'm only giving you information that you can feel free to choose to use or not if it helps you. Um, I think, first of all, it's wonderful that you've reached this empowered place and are choosing to do something with your life. And that's that's the, the tough part is making the decision. I always say, I can talk all day long, but you have the hard part. You have the tough job of taking action. It is taking even the first step toward doing something with your life or doing something different than you haven't done before. And it can be very hard, especially when you have commitments and you have all these ties that, you know, you have a house together or you're married or you have a business together or you have kids together. There's so many ties and associations and relationships that are going to be affected if you decide to take a step toward, in your case, feeling safe and happy. But it sounds like you considered the alternative. What is it now? It's not safe and it's not happy. You could be sacrificing a lot in order to feel safe and happy. But hear what I just said. I mean, you don't have to hear this, but anyone listening, if you need to hear this, you may be sacrificing something or many things to feel safe and happy, but the end result is feeling safe and happy. That doesn't mean you should sacrifice or I want you to give up everything to go in a certain direction, but it's a consideration for your life. And I want to continually remind you that people that love and support you and honor you want you to be happy. They want you to honor yourself. The people who don't want you to do things that you want to do for yourself and find happiness and honor yourself. The people who don't want that, they sometimes want to control you. They are often the ones that want you to do what they want you to do so that they don't lose control of you or control in their own life. Because sometimes you show up as a variable in their life that helps them control their life. But you don't want to be a pawn in that game. You don't want to play that game. You don't want to be a component of someone else's manipulation or control. That's my opinion. I don't think you do. Hopefully not. But if you do, that's another show. That's <laughs> not here. But if you don't want to be, you might have to take a step and lose what might feel important to you or might be important to you. There might be sacrifices along the path to finding peace and safety and happiness and comfort uh, or even a lack of pain like let's take pain and suffering out of our life and the way to do that might be 
a path where sacrifice is involved. I mean, sacrifice is a big word, but it could mean losing things that you don't want to lose, and that's, that's a challenge, I get it. So I want to express that I am so happy for you, this person who wrote, and I am so glad that you took the time to share this with me. Thank you so much for sharing this, for taking the time to write all this, and I'm so glad that uh, you heard the, the message you needed to hear at the right time. Um, I actually timed that. <laughs> I timed that you would listen to that show at that moment with your daughter, and I, I set that up. <laughs> it took a long time and a lot of money to figure out you know, where you're going to be at the time, right time. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do any of that. It just happened. I am so glad that you got the message you needed, and that's, that's what happens sometimes. You, you get the right message at the right time, and it all works out, um, or at least it gives you hope and it gives you confidence and it helps you feel empowered knowing that you've taken the right steps. And that's what I've noticed too in my life is that when I take steps that are scary and I have a lot of fear, something like falls into place. And then I look back and think, wow, I took that step. And if I didn't take that step, this other thing wouldn't have fallen into place. So I guess that was the right step. It reminds me that when we're trudging through mud, we're probably going in the wrong direction. So that's a good way for me to gauge if I'm going in the right direction. If I took one step and suddenly things got worse, and I took another step and things got worse again, I might have to backtrack and think, okay, what changed? What what am I doing wrong? Maybe I'm not taking big enough steps. Maybe I have to take a step in a different direction. That's just the way I look at things. Not everything works out. But when I take steps that honor me, if I honor myself in every step, and I do that while honoring others, typically, I mean, I can still honor you, but not have to be with you. If you're mistreating me, I can still honor you as a person, respect you as a person, and go another direction. And that will be me honoring me. It may not be what you want, but it is what I need and want for myself, and I'm hoping that you love and care about me and support me enough to want to take this step and go in this direction for myself. Not everyone's going to agree with what you want to do for yourself, and uh, sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's the best thing you can do, and sometimes you have to. Thank you again for your words, and thanks for listening to another episode. Always keep an open mind because that's what helps you step into your power. And always be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Take steps to grow and evolve at every opportunity. Remember, you are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.